Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I've been listening to this podcast for over a year now, and I've always wanted to share my own experiences. I usually only share this stuff with my close friend because I don't want to sound crazy. My family is from an extremely rural area in South Georgia, and the population of the town they live in is maybe 600, if you're stretching it. I moved away when I was 12, to live with a different side of my family in a different state, but it's only about an hour away, so it's not too difficult to see them. When I was younger, my grandma married who is now my grandpa. After their marriage, she sold her house and moved in with him. A few years after they were married, I moved in with them. The house was neither large or small, just a modest two-bedroom house out in the country. Parts of the house had been renovated within reason, but one room remained in its original state as it had been built in the year 1900. It had the original wood paneling on the walls and ceiling, although there had been carpet added sometime in the 70s or 80s. This was the room where I usually slept when I came to visit, although after a few years, They turned the living room into a third bedroom when I started living there. Now, I know some people might be tired of hearing sleep paralysis stories, but this is only a small part of my experience in this house. I remember my first experience with sleep paralysis being in the oldest room in the house, when I was maybe five or six years old. I woke up to my body completely frozen and slowly rising to the ceiling, unable to move. I wanted to thrash around, to scream, to do something, but it was like all the air had been sucked out of my lungs. I couldn't even muster up a whimper. I had the door to the hallway open, and all I could focus on was not looking into the hallway. I could feel someone's eyes burning into the back of my head as I was stuck on the ceiling paralyzed with fear. I tried to tell my grandma about it, but, of course, being the Southern Christian Baptist that she was, her response was always, say Jesus' name, or state, I rebuke you, devil. All I could say back was, Grandma, you know I can't talk when this is happening, right? I'm frozen. She probably thought I was being a smartass, so that didn't help my situation. I continued to have these nightmares for years, and when I would talk about my sleep paralysis, 
My grandpa would remark that both his father and grandfather had died in that house, and they were probably just messing with me. Thanks, Grandpa. I love that for me. The sleep paralysis wasn't only attached to the house, and I continued to have episodes the rest of my life, and still do to this day. However, what upset me more about staying in their house was the noises I would hear at night. As previously mentioned, when I moved into their house, I moved into the former living room, which was now a bedroom. I would often wake up in the middle of the night to hearing hard, heavy, shuffling footsteps up and down the hallway. I usually assumed it was my grandma, or at least tried to convince myself that. At around 12 years old, my great-grandfather on my grandma's side moved into the house and passed away a few months of being there. He had died in the room I was now sleeping in when I came to visit which was the old living room. I was too scared to sleep in the other, older room, even as a teenager. One night, after I had moved away but was visiting for the weekend, I heard the same footsteps. Being older now, maybe 15 or 16, I was no longer scared of whatever that thing was. It was annoying, and okay, maybe it was a little scary but whatever. After about an hour of hearing someone or something walking back and forth, over and over, I sprung out of bed, turned the lights on, and swung my door open. Silence. Mind you, it's maybe two or three o'clock in the morning, and pitch black in that house. I walked across the hallway to my grandparents' room, and slowly opened their gigantic wooden door. As I'm opening the door, I see my grandma slowly rise up from her sleep into a sitting position. Before I can even say anything, she says, Baby, are you alright? I've been hearing you walking around the house all night. It's keeping me up and I was getting worried. All I could think to say was, I was just grabbing some water, Grandma. I'm sorry. I gently closed the door, walked back to my room, and made sure my door was shut tight before I got into bed. During another weekend visit, I was in bed with the TV on, but facing away from it because I was trying to sleep. I was facing toward the door, which was partially blocked by a closet. I had been lying there a minute, but I was definitely not asleep, as I had just checked the time on my phone. I slept with the door closed, and it was kind of hard to shut. This made it make a loud shoving sound when it was opened, and when I heard that sound, I assumed it was my grandma. However, when I adjusted my focus to the door, I saw a shadow projected on the wall that was far too large to be her. Even the footsteps sounded different. They sounded like footsteps from the hallway. Heavy, shuffling footsteps. Almost like they were carrying an unbearable amount of weight. My whole body froze. The floor in the house is old, so when whoever was paying me a visit slowly crept to the foot of my bed, I heard every step. 
My eyes were wide open, but I had focused them on the wall in front of me, where the shadow was now projected. After what felt like an hour but was probably only a few minutes, I slowly pulled the blanket over my face and closed my eyes. My heart was beating so loud it felt like you could hear it outside of my chest. Eventually, I started doing some breathing exercises and calmed myself down enough to close my eyes and drift off. I kept waking up every hour or so with the feeling that that thing was still there, watching me. Finally, at around 7 in the morning, I decided to move the covers, since I knew the sun was up. My door was wide open, not closed as I had left it. I immediately went to my grandma and asked, Hey, did you come into my room last night by any chance? She looked at me, bewildered, but quickly explained something that I really did not want to hear. No, but I couldn't sleep at all last night. Your grandpa and I were both having terrible nightmares, and it was impossible to rest. I don't sleep in her house at all anymore, if I can avoid it. And if I visit my family, I usually stay at my dad's house. I know it hurts her feelings because she loves having me there. I'm 21 now, and I'm still scared to sleep in that house with all the spirits that live in it. Sleep paralysis is one thing, and as I get older, I find it easier to control. But I don't like being watched in my sleep. Sorry, Grandma. When I was in high school, I had my first serious relationship. I spent a lot of time at his house, spent the night there many times, all that kind of stuff. I always felt uneasy at night, though. I chalked it up to just not being used to that much quiet at night, as my sister always falls asleep with the TV on. But one day, I started experiencing things. First, when I went into their laundry room to dispose of a soda can in their dedicated bottles and cans bin, I saw what looked like a small white animal dash across the room. But if an actual live animal had run at that speed in that small of a room, it surely would have run into the wall. I didn't hear any thuds. Only fast, tiny paws. It really freaked me out so much that I didn't even do what I went in there for. I made my boyfriend do it for me. He thought that it was funny, but he also believed me. He went on to tell me that there have always been weird happenings at their place, but not to worry. None had been aggressive or negative as far as anyone could tell. I relaxed a bit, but still freaked out because while I still had paranormal experiences in the past, that was the first time I actually saw an apparition. Then, the very next day, we were up late playing video games. Sometime between midnight and 3am, I don't remember exactly, it's been several years since this happened. At one point, my boyfriend got up to use the bathroom. 
He went upstairs and after a few minutes I saw an apparition of a woman walking towards the stairs from the kitchen. She was average height, or maybe a little taller. Long black hair, wearing what looked like pajamas, or maybe a nightgown. I told him about this when he came down, and later also talked to his mother about the whole thing. She said she's seen the same exact woman too, and there was a time when my boyfriend was very young. She had noticed that cabinet doors and drawers in the kitchen seemed to be left open a lot. She walked through and closed all of the ones that were open, and then walked into their computer room to remind her husband and my boyfriend to close them when they were done. She turned around and walked back to the kitchen, and all of the cabinets and drawers were open. That was just one of the many stories that she told me, but I felt that that one was the one that belonged here. Anyway, after a few years, I and that boyfriend broke up, and I had moved around a couple of times. Finally, I ended up back at my mom's house. At that point, I was with somebody else, and we were expecting a child, my son. We stayed in a small building next to the main house, so that we had plenty of space of our own while living there. It was a half-done, garage-turned-studio apartment. It definitely needed some work, but it was plenty livable. I had a weird feeling out there, too. I always heard noises coming from the attic at night, but otherwise it was just a feeling. For all I know, there could have been a squirrel who made his home up there. I don't know. We never went up into the attic anymore, but the thing is... I had lived in this same space before graduating high school and I didn't have that weird feeling that I did after moving back in. That was new. Fast forward nine months. I'm about to have my son and me and his father got our own apartment and moved in days before I gave birth. I'm no longer together with his father, but I still live in this apartment today with my husband and my son who goes back and forth between my house and his dad's. During the first few weeks of my son's life, he was always looking at the same corner in the closet in my bedroom. We joked that there was a little ghost hanging out up there, but honestly, I believed that. Fast forward just a few months again, and my son's dad was in the living room playing video games. I was on my bed in my bedroom playing on my phone. All of a sudden, the door to the bedroom closed, but I didn't hear my son's dad walking around. After that door closed, though, I heard him quickly get up and enter the bedroom. He asked me, Did you hear that? I responded, What do you mean? The door closing? Did you not do that? He told me that no, he was at his computer with his headphones on and didn't even hear the door close. What he was talking about was something else. He heard a woman's voice say hello, as if someone was speaking to him from right behind him. It definitely wasn't something from his game either. It was a game he's played for years, and he had never heard a sound like that before. We found it particularly odd that both occurrences happened at the same time. Fast forward again, we split and I was living in the apartment alone for a few years until I met my now husband. 
We have a mason jar decoration with flowers up on the wall that has a small string of lights inside the jar. You cannot turn the light on unless you reach into the jar and find the switch to turn the lights on. The lights had been off for months, until one day, we woke up in the morning and walked into the living room, and the light was flipped on. It was in blinking mode. We both hated blinking mode, and even if one of us had turned it on and forgotten, it would not have been in blinking mode. My husband has always had bad migraines as a kid and mentioned that he feels like somebody is watching him whenever he takes showers in the dark to combat these migraines. The other day, the little side table next to his chair just moved as if somebody walked by and accidentally bumped into it. But that wasn't the case. Ever since that time, at my ex's house at the beginning of this story, I have felt like I was much more open to paranormal experiences than before. I always thought all of these experiences that I've had over the years were just different random occurrences until one day. I was living at the apartments that I live now, back when I was doing the whole single mom thing. My sister babysat for me often while I worked, and because she went to school right across the street from my apartment, she basically lived with me for a few months just out of convenience. One day, she said, while she went to the kitchen for some water, she saw an apparition. I said, oh, I knew there was a spirit around here, but I have yet to see the apparition. I proceeded to tell her about the simultaneous door closing and the feminine hello. I asked her what she looked like. My sister's response invoked a strong feeling that I just can't describe. Not fear or unease, just weird. She began describing this entity, and right down to the pajamas, she described the same woman I saw at my ex's house several years prior. I never told her about those experiences up until that point, so there was no way she would know that. Ever since then, I've been almost convinced that this entity, for whatever reason, became attached and started following me after I left my ex. My husband and I lovingly refer to her as Barbara because we felt that she needed a name. We told her if she didn't like the name to let us know, but she gave us no sign. A month or two went by without much activity from her after we gave her the name. So I hope she likes it, and I hope she likes us. Though, I have never gotten any negative feelings while being around her. Just the typical, I can tell something is with me, and it feels strange kind of feeling. What do you think? Could it be the same person? My name is Tori. I've been a listener since you two first started the podcast, and I've loved it since day one. There has been a lot of discussion about Ouija boards and the validity of spirits using them versus our own subconscious manipulations. At the end of episode 50, you discussed a story 
and brought up a situation where participants have been blindfolded as a way to test spiritual activity. Well, I have a story that counters the train of thought you left that discussion on. This took place during my junior year of high school, so around 2009. My two best friends and I had been dabbling in the occult with tarot cards, tea leaf reading, and of course, playing with Ouija boards. We got into this because I had told them about a prank I pulled that, supernaturally, came back to bite me when I was in junior high. Long and short, in junior high, I played Ouija with other friends, moved the planchet around on my own, and made up a story about a ghost, after which a presumably real entity made contact and gave a little haunting. Fast forward to high school and a retelling of that incident, and my two best friends wanted to scare each other with some games. We had played often, probably almost every weekend for quite some time, asking questions and getting little scares without too much really happening. However, after a while, we did start to get answers and responses. Naturally, we figured we were all just messing with each other. But then we started seeing shadows in my room. I began to have weirder dreams than normal, and an uptick in night terrors, and what I know now as instances of sleep paralysis. My best friend Karen also began to have more paranormal happenings than usual. One night, Karen and I, along with two of our other friends, Blaine and Courtney, were sitting around and using the Ouija board. It gave us some responses such as, death is close, and the spirits want your soul. Partly creeped out and partly loving it, we keep playing when Courtney says, wait, how do we know Tori isn't moving the planchet as she has before? I act guilty when I'm nervous, so after some good-natured bickering, we decided that the three of them would close and cover their eyes and that I would sit back, use a phone to take video, and read out what the board was saying. Some of the answers we got were half sentences, or the piece moved too fast and sloppily for a clear reading. Some questions got no response. Some, however, were answered. Karen had a family story about a baby that didn't survive pregnancy that she had never told anyone but me. Remember, my hands weren't on the planchet. She then asked the spirits about the situation, then about the name of the child who didn't make it. Both questions were answered correctly. The planchet then began moving, unprompted by any questions. It was moving fast, but there was something about a demonic entity and how the ghosts or spirits we disturbed were angry. The planchet began moving faster than I could read the responses. Since this happened more than a decade ago now, I don't remember what the video ended up showing us what was spelled out, but I remember the room became unbelievably cold very quickly. The lights seemed to dim, and the words we were able to make out later on became more angry 
and abusive towards us, especially me and Karen, and the planchet moved faster and faster, to the point that Karen, Blaine, and Courtney were lurching across the board like they were being pulled by it. Finally, the piece stopped moving in the center of the board, and my friends took off whatever covered their eyes, keeping at least one hand touching the planchet. I remember we all kind of looked at each other, a bit nervous and very confused, and I guess waiting for someone to laugh and say, Gotcha. After a moment of things settling, remember the planchet is still in the middle of the board, at rest, and their fingers are merely resting on it. The planchet flies from the center of the board, about 10 to 12 feet across the room, and into the wall just under the basement window, about five feet up. Courtney and Blaine took off and bolted upstairs, and Karen and I just sat there, staring. I got up to get the planchet, and it was now broken and unusable to close out the board. Courtney refused to watch the video, and Karen confirmed that the answers to her questions were true. She and I were the only ones who knew. I wasn't participating, and her eyes were completely covered. Courtney was in tears and begged us to delete the video and never play it again. She didn't want it brought up around her and didn't want even a mention of that night. Blaine agreed we should cool it, at least for a bit. We have all since lost touch over the years but I don't think my friends would use something as traumatic as the loss of a child to pull a prank. Not to mention, they didn't even know about that story, nor do I think they could be as hateful or abusive as what was said with the Ouija board that night. I've had many other weird and possibly paranormal things happen over the years, though they have become few and far between now. I know my story is circumstantial, and that my view is biased because they were my friends, but I think we connected with something outside the realm of normal that night, something that passes the power of our subconscious. I know this is long, but I just hope it all makes sense. After listening to episode 50 so much, I couldn't keep this to myself. I just want to end on this. Ouija is a game the living developed to make a buck. There are origins and connections to other beliefs and skills for communication with the supernatural. However, all of those things, as far as we're aware, come from the living. I don't think Ouija works if you aren't already open to something, just like hypnosis. I don't think that spirits or otherworldly entities have any real amount of respect for these things. I think anything could open the door to the other side if there is a strong enough desire for it. I also never said goodbye during that session, and while weird things happened, they did fade with time, and I believe that's because my interests and beliefs in the occult changed.
For starters, I admit that I didn't believe in ghosts before moving into the house that I lived in as a teenager, and even to this day, I try to think of every logical explanation before thinking of ghosts. I truly do believe that house was haunted, though. So does the rest of my family. I have multiple stories, but this one was definitely the creepiest. It had been about two or three years since we moved in, and at this point, I was starting to believe in the paranormal. One night, when it was my turn to wash the dishes, I was downstairs by myself and kept having these strange feelings, like somebody was watching me. I kept turning my head around, and nobody was there. I thought it was maybe my stepbrother trying to play a prank on me. I called his name, and he yelled back from his room upstairs. I blew it off as thinking that it was just my mind playing tricks on me and I decided to ignore it and continue with my chore. A few moments later, I started to feel like somebody was right behind me. I even felt my hair move at some point, as if someone was playing with it. I whipped my head around so fast, but again nothing. At that point, I had had enough, and I quickly finished and made a run for upstairs. The house had one set of stairs, then you'd turn the corner, and then another set of stairs. My mom had hung this big mirror on the wall in between the stairs. I ran up to the first set, and I looked in the mirror. Then right behind me was a boy, just a little bit smaller than me. He had on a red shirt with dark, shaggy hair that covered his eyes and this pale skin with no real distinct features. I turned around, and he was gone. I turned back, and it was just me in the reflection. I freaked out. I ran the rest of the way upstairs to my mom's room. My stepdad went downstairs to look, but of course he didn't see anything. My mom spent the next hour or so trying to ease the situation. Both they and several other people who have stayed at our house have seen this same boy, and we've all had the same description of him. I don't believe he was a negative spirit, just somebody who wasn't able to cross over, maybe. We lived there for seven years before moving. Even though he gave us all a good scare, I genuinely hope that little boy was able to find peace and cross over. When I was 11, my family moved from California to Louisiana to get away from some bad things that had happened. A hideout, if you will. Growing up, I've always seen shadow people and heard voices around the home, but nothing was quite as scary as the encounters I've had in Louisiana. When I was 13, my mom, brother, and I moved to a small house in a not-so-great neighborhood but it was finally a home of our own and not couch surfing. The house, like most of the houses there, was elevated on stilts to prevent damage from flooding. My room was located in the back. Two of my walls were surrounded by windows, so I had plenty of views and lighting. One night, after everyone had gone to sleep, I awoke with a jolt and sat straight up. 
My skin developed goosebumps from the electric feeling in the room. A thunderstorm had just passed by, but it had stopped, so it was dead silent. It wasn't windy at all either. The night was still. Suddenly, my windows violently rattled from left to right, as if someone were pounding on all of them in a row. It was so loud and hard I thought they'd shatter. I screamed and ran to my mom's room. She heard it too and called the cops. Now, my windows aren't really accessible from the outside. Even an average height person would have to jump really high to reach them. When the cops came, they brushed it off as residual thunder because when they walked around where my windows were, there weren't any footprints or anything. Had someone been there, the mud would have left pretty obvious evidence. The cops left, and my mom and I were shaken. Someone or something had banged on my windows. This was no thunder. Even the clouds had long disappeared. So how could it be? Since then, there have been other terrifying encounters in the house and when we moved, but nothing has ever shaken me like that since. I have always had a fascination with ghosts and the paranormal. It's kind of always been a part of my life, from hearing the tales of my grandmother's haunted house to the stories of a specter that haunted both my dad and later my uncle at the old home that they shared in college. I would take friends on ghost tours of my hometown, highlighting some of the eerie places while driving around at night. When I ended up in Savannah, Georgia, for my time in the army, I was thrilled. It was one of the most haunted cities in the country. The stately old homes and historic cemeteries really appealed to my love of history and the supernatural. One home in particular drew me in. The Kehoe House. The Kehoe House was built in 1892 by William Kehoe, an Irishman who made his money in the iron industry. This can be found in the home's beautiful iron columns and fence work. It has been a boarding house, a funeral parlor, and at one time was owned by famous football quarterback Joe Namath. It was sold by him in 1990 and has operated as a B&B ever since. Now, with most old mansions in Savannah, there is a ghostly tint to its story as well. The Kehoe family had 10 children while living there, with two twin boys who are rumored to have passed away in the house. Many guests complain of having their bedsheets pulled off at night, or someone, maybe something, bouncing up and down on the bed, waking them from their sleep. Others hear children's laughter and playing, only to come down to breakfast and find no evidence of children staying at the house that night. I knew nothing of the ghostly tales surrounding the house. I simply loved the architecture and the grounds. It is centered around one of Savannah's scenic squares with moss-covered ancient oaks that hang over the streets. 
I always wanted to stay there and would often drive by to admire its beauty. Many years later, I would finally get to wander its halls, stay the night, and have my own spooky encounter. I was dating my soon-to-be wife, and we stayed there a few times for a little weekend getaway. By then, I had heard of the ghost stories and knew what we had to do during our stay. This during the time when paranormal shows were huge on TV and we watched them all. I had bought a little digital recorder and decided that we would try and catch some EVPs while we were there. Before we left for the night of bar hopping and nightlife, we left the recorder running on the mantle in the room. It was late, close to 2 a.m. when we came back to the room. I stopped the recorder, and we both went to bed. The next day, we came down to breakfast, groggy from a long night, but still marveling at the beauty of the house. Some other guests were down there, and I heard one woman telling of her restless night, saying, The kids kept me up last night. They kept shaking and bouncing the bed. It was then that I remembered the recorder. After breakfast, we packed up and said our goodbyes to the mansion. Once home, I took my headphones and recorder and settled in for a long four to five hour listen. It was mostly nothing, hearing the noises of buses going by outside, neighbors talking and whatnot. Later, I could hear fireworks from nearby River Street. I heard the turndown crew come in and prepare the room for the night, fixing the bed, turning on soothing music and straightening up. I heard them talking amongst themselves. Then, something caught my ear. A voice in the background, one that neither the workers reacted to or answered. I couldn't make out what it said, just that it was high-pitched. My interest was piqued, so I listened closer. Long after the neighbors had settled in for the night, the only sound in the room was the music which was on a loop. We had not yet returned to the room. I then hear what sounds like the crying of a baby. It's quick but very distinct. I rewound the tape, checking to see if it might be from the song playing or if the neighbors had a child with them. I thought maybe it was somebody walking a baby on the nearby sidewalk, but being that it was after midnight, I quickly ruled out that scenario. There were no children in the mansion that weekend, so it wasn't a finicky baby crying out at night, or at least not a mortal one. What I found out later about the home cemented my belief that I had caught the cries of a ghost baby that night. The room we stayed in was at the end of the hall, with our bathroom butting up against the bathroom of the room across the hall. These two rooms were once the day nursery for the Kehoe family, a place where the cries of unhappy babies would be commonplace. Had we caught an echo from the past? Were ghost children making their presence known that night? We've stayed at the Kehoe house many times since, even getting married there. The house meant a lot to us. We just had to have it as a glorious backdrop for our wedding. I never caught anything else on tape or had any other experiences. I do hear that the kids are still busy, waking weary guests with their nighttime play. Maybe someday I'll connect with them, and I'll have my own paranormal wake-up call. If not, that's fine. 
I love this stately old home and I enjoy its beauty, ghosts, or no ghosts. I have attached the EVP recording for your listening pleasure. Judge for yourself. It goes by pretty quickly, but you can't miss it. Enjoy and sleep tight. Holy shit. Oh, wow. That is my first time hearing that. That baby was way louder than I expected. I expected something really faint and like fuzzy, like hard to decipher. You know, like a lot of EVPs, you really have to kind of... Some staticky background thing. Yeah, yeah, you kind of use your imagination almost and form what you think you heard. But there's no mistaking that was a crying baby. That was unbelievably haunting. I love EVPs. Yeah, if you if anybody has a story that they've submitted to us and they have any EVP, any type of recordings, any pictures, anything, by all means, include that in your email as long as it's not a virus. <laughs> um, we we love getting that kind of stuff. But man, th- the fact that there aren't any children or babies staying at that B&B when that was recorded and nobody reacted to it, clearly it was something that the recorder picked up that nobody in the room was able to hear. Yeah, that would immediately have you asking some questions, hearing a baby that wasn't supposed to be there. That's just wild. Absolutely wild. So speaking of uh, wild, I actually ran into a friend from my hometown last night, and he had some stories to share as he is a fan of the podcast. He's a big occult book collector. He even has an occult book tattoo. And he did share a story with me about he and a friend who had been camping on the beach. They came across this rock. They shone their flashlights on it. And both of them were like speechless. They both saw something they were scared of, but they didn't say anything. After the encounter, they took off. And later on, he said, you saw something, right? And his friend said, yeah, I did. Before they even talked about what they saw to prove what they saw was real, he, uh, my friend, he tells his friend, listen, write down what you saw and I'm going to write down what I saw and let's compare our notes. I like that. That's smart. Like as an experiment, because they wanted to prove that this was something that happened and they wanted to, you know, corroborate. Yes. It was the same exact thing, what they wrote down. It was this type of ethereal octopus monster thing that was on the rock. What? And it had these tentacles that were stretching out and it had this mouth in the center that opened up and that's the moment where they took off. They said it wasn't like an octopus or a squid or anything. It looked like a monster. It looked like something otherworldly. Like Kraken washed ashore or something? But yeah, like some kind of Kraken monster thing. But the cool thing was they were able to corroborate it with each other's stories without even talking about it out loud. They were so scared that they didn't even talk about it. They just took off. He also had like some shadow people stories, some sleep paralysis stories, and even talked about seeing some UFOs. So I'm going to try and get some stories from him. He's a really rad dude. And uh, yeah, just a cool story, man. But I'd love to get the full fleshed out story from him. I'm sure that I had some details wrong or missed something. We both had a few beers and I was a little uh, little foggy. Yeah, my interest is peaked. Mm-hmm. You got to get it. Extract the info at yeah. all costs. Well, I guess to continue the wild ride... It was a bit of nothing, but in my anxiety-ridden mind, some guy dressed like a cat burglar came by my house the other day trying to sell me solar panels. Wait, 
dressed like a cat burglar? Like, did he have like yeah. the mask on? Like the whole thing? Not quite. Okay. I think he must have left it in the car. <laughs> okay. He was wearing all black and he was wearing some really nice Air Jordan 1 shadows. Oh, those are cool. I know. I want to get some, but... I think Nike is one of those off-limit brands, maybe. They stopped their practices, allegedly, but still. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was standing there all swagged out like a Gen Z cat burglar. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't say, no, no, thank you, not interested in close the door on his face. I'm just not that way. So I listened to his whole speech and gently said no. Then I was just like, yeah, maybe some other time then. He goes, I can come by like tomorrow if that works. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Maybe you don't get your hopes up, though. But I said it in a nicer way than that. But I did tell him not to get his hopes up. Then he shows up and I talk to him through the ring camera. And he's just all fidgety and he's acting awkward. But, not so you, like your gut is telling you something's wrong. This isn't just yes. like you being paranoid. Your gut's telling you something's wrong. It could have been one of two things. Best case scenario, it was just some scammer. Because what they do, they try to sell you horrible loans and put a lien against the house and (laughs) they buy the panels and sell them back to you for like three times how much they pay for them using subcontractors it's horrible and then they just they ghost you after that with really shoddy craftsmanship or even worse my house being cased out for a burglary yeah and that's what really had me worried because after he talked to me i was talking to him through the ring camera and he was being all nervous not like performance anxiety but like he like he was guilty or hiding something Mm -hmm. it was really strange yeah you can always pick up on these things yeah yeah yeah. and i see him walk across the street diagonally after he accepts defeat and he's talking to this guy in this big tinted truck for like two minutes and then they take off in different directions like okay that's just weird why isn't he riding with him Mm -hmm. what is what is this guy doing and then that same night i'm about to get into the shower and then my bigger dog just starts barking like crazy which He never does unless somebody's at the door. He hasn't done it in this house or anything like that. Right. And I was already thinking about that earlier interaction. Mm -hmm. And immediately my mind goes, oh, all right, it's go time. Let's do this. (laughs) So I jump out of the bathroom, butt ass naked, grab my weapon of choice. And then I start tiptoeing down the stairs like James Bond. Nothing came of it, luckily. Not very eventful, but nonetheless, it was terrifying and to the solar panel guy let's not meet so you were butt-ass naked walking down the stairs with a weapon that yeah (laughs) that just makes me think of eastern promises like that naked fight scene (laughs) i love that naked sauna wrestling scene that that is an amazing movie it's a great movie yeah david cronenberg props um yeah that's super scary i don't like that type of thing that reminds me of those guys that chase you down in parking lots and try to tell you speakers you know what i mean like like yeah. that kind of thing where it's like two guys in a truck they're like hey dude come on over here oh, i got some speakers on discount man you gotta like that's happened to me multiple times it's like a common scam of like selling stolen shit it's just they'll just oh, stop yeah. you in a parking lot and they're like hey man i got some stuff on a discount i gotta get rid of it today pop open the trunk and sell some bootleg comic books or something yeah exactly I don't I don't like that shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, but your gut tells you something's wrong. Something's wrong. Trust it. It's always right, always. man. Always. Get the intuition highly developed. Since we're talking about social interactions, I got to do something very passive aggressive that I've always wanted to do and it felt so good. I was walking out of a sushi restaurant. Why I had to clarify it was sushi, I don't know, <laughs> but I held the door open for somebody that was about to walk in. And then he just walks past me without saying a word, not even acknowledgement, no head nod. And then I say, 
You're welcome. I was one of those. And it felt so good. Oh, wow. Have you done that? Yeah, of course I've done that. Um, good, good. I, I can't say that I do it anymore just because I'm terrified of like, I've seen a lot of videos lately of people overreacting about shit like this. Somebody just got stabbed in a video recently over like speaking up over somebody vaping around their kid or something. I saw that. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I don't, I, I've gotten to the point where I just don't interact with people unless it's a friendly interaction. Like I just, I don't want to risk it. People are crazy these days. You're brave. You're a brave boy. I think it was just like pent up energy all my life, not being very confrontational. So I, I don't know. I felt emboldened at the time and it just pissed me off. I don't know. No, it's super irritating. But usually I don't do that. Come on, that's that's basic. That's basic humanity shit. Even just a nod, anything, any kind of acknowledgement. Yeah. yeah. People are bad. Most people are good, but there are some bad people out there. That was a good life lesson. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This week you have heard Mama's House by Hannah. A Spirit Has Been Following Me by Amethyst Hewlett. Ouija Story by Tori. The Boy in the Mirror by Eliana. There Were No Footprints by Sarah, and finally Haunted B&B by Marty. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Don't forget, if you want to share a story, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. You can join and support the show at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails today. Also, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and the Old Time Radio Cast, all at crypticcountypodcasts.com. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out. Disturb you, darling.